Thanks, Pastor James. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? It's wonderful to see you. It's always a great thrill uh, to be back at Port City uh, in Gladstone. And uh, I think this is the first time I've come in June or something like that. So it's almost a bit, it's almost a bit chilly up here. So uh, it's uh, wonderful to be here. So great to see you all again. And always feel like I'm family when I come and uh, with family when I come and share here. It's always a great highlight of my calendar. So thank you so much for having me. And I'm um, really looking forward uh, to spending the day with you uh, today. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. If you don't know where that is, it's just after 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 6. So just as you're turning there, uh, just letting you know, uh, as you would know, wherever I travel, I take some of my resource with me and got a number of items here you might be interested in. A uh, couple of items here that, uh, one item here I haven't brought here before, and um, it's from Extreme Youth Conference in Mackay. And uh, your youth have been, uh, went to Extreme last year. And uh, it was, it's a phenomenal conference. Uh, and uh, they've got their latest, I think it's called Twingle, uh, which is like a two-track uh, CD. Um, and it's called Legacy, which is a, a, from the praise and worship team uh, called Freedom Fire in Mackay. And the conference, as your youth would know, is really known for the presence of God and praise and worship. And so uh, I've got that with me today. Uh, and also uh, their previous uh, EP called Into Light. Uh, which is a four-track EP, which they released the year before. So phenomenal praise and worship. Be a great blessing to yourself and to um, and to all the young people in your world. And for today, uh, if you're interested, you can get both for a total of 10 bucks. So if you're interested, uh, feel free to go uh, to the table up the back and check it out. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 6 to 14 says this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness." while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Title of, message, title of my message today is called Why We Should Give. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you would help us to have kingdom thinking and mindset. I pray for freedom. I pray that you set some people free in this place today. I thank you and praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, here is uh, 2 Corinthians. It's written by the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to the Corinthians. And, and this actual portion, he's actually preparing them for an extra offering that he's going to receive when he actually gets there. This is not the first time that he's actually mentioned giving to the Corinthians. If you read 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, he actually talks about giving there as well. So what that means is he is talking to the same people about the same topic more than once. He reinforces and talks about finances and giving more than once. Why does he do that? Well, the reality is that the kingdom concept of giving is very different from the world. And we are in the world and constantly deluge what the world says about giving and about finance, but it's not the same as the kingdom. 
And so every so often we need to be reminded and have our thinking recalibrated to the way that God thinks about giving and what the kingdom thinks about giving so that our mindset could be in line with God's word. And so here he is, he's about to receive an extra special offering, even somewhat kind of like a first fruits offering, I guess, an extra special offering that he's going to receive. And before he does that, he talks to them about reasons why they should give. And so I just thought, seeing as you've got a first fruits offering coming up in the next month or so, that the best person to talk about this would be the Apostle Paul. And today I want to give you the reasons that he actually gives to, that people, to those people, but to us as well, about why as a Christian... Giving is an important part of our life and why uh, we should give. So I want to give you a few reasons from this passage of Scripture. The first thing is this. He, second, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The first reason why we should give is, number one, giving is a principle. It's a principle. It's almost like a spiritual law. He says there, he uses uh, the imagery of actually seed time and harvest. He's not actually talking about farming here. He's using that as an illustration to talk about finances. And he says this, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. He says, if you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. So he's talking about it being a principle, that if you participate in the act, you'll actually receive in the end what, that, what the Word of God actually says. You know, I've met a lot of Christians that didn't get the revelation of giving until much later on. And when they get the revelation of giving and receiving later on, it's kind of like they think to themselves, why didn't I learn this before? Remember one time I was preaching at a church in uh, South uh, East Queensland, a country town called Warwick. And the pastor asked me there to talk about giving to his church. And so I did a message about giving. And, and after I preached, a, an older lady came up to me and she started waving her finger at me. And I thought, oh, I think I'm, I mean, what looks like I'm in trouble here. And she says, young man, I want to talk to you. I said, okay, thanks for calling me young. And, um, <clears throat> and I said, uh, how can I help you? And she said, I grew up, I've been a Christian my whole life. But it's only been in the last 10 years since I've been in the Pentecostal church that they've told me about giving. And I just want to let you know, I've never been so blessed. She goes, I wished I started giving and tithing a long time ago. So you young men, wherever you go, you make sure you tell people it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's a principle in the Word of God. Well, as someone who always does what their elders tell them, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I'm here. It's a principle in the Word of God. It doesn't even have to apply for Christians. If you're just generous, the Bible says if you're generous, then actually you'll actually receive more. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, it says, the generous man will prosper. doesn't even say the Christian man. It just says the generous man will prosper. Notice it doesn't also say the businessman will prosper. It doesn't say the son of a wealthy man will prosper. It doesn't say the professional sportsman will prosper. It doesn't say the man that's married to Miley Cyrus will prosper. It just says the generous man will prosper. So it means that generosity as a lifestyle and as a habit almost guarantees our financial future. That's what it's saying there. I read a book a number of years ago by a, a guy who's a personal development guru. His name, he's known as Larry Wing, his name is Larry Wingert and he's known as the pit bull of personal development. And so he writes some, you know, he's very direct and conf confrontational. He wrote a book called, it's called Work for a Reason. And he wrote another book, which I read, uh, which is called, and, and he called it, uh, You're Broke Because You Want to Be. 
And so basically he's talking to people about how to get out of financial, uh, financial problems and financial difficulty and people who are close to bankruptcy. And he is ruthless with them. Like he, does, he goes into their house and he basically tells them if they're, you know, if they're way behind, he starts telling them to sell off all their assets. You know, if they've got to, you know, if they've got to, you know, uh, you know, use crates for a, you know, crates for a couch, then so be it, and that sort of thing. He tells them to get rid of all luxuries and everything so that they can get themselves back on track financially. And what he does is he, in this book, he actually puts out a budget of and and talks about the things that they need to spend their money on. And so he tells them, you know, you've got to spend money on, obviously, you know, rates, electricity, mortgage, that sort of thing, rent, uh, what have you, and starts going through the budget line. And then he has a line there, and in it he writes tithe. And he writes 10%. And then he does an explanation in the book. He said, I'm not a religious man and I'm not a Christian. He goes, but all I know is this, that when people give away 10% of their income, they somehow get better off financially. And he said, so even all these people, he's getting telling them to get rid of all, you know, their luxuries, but he still tells them it's important to tithe because even the unsaved dude understands that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's a principle through the Word of God. The second reason uh, why, we should, uh, why we should give, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Let each one give. That word let is very interesting. The meaning of that verse would be different if he had used another word. For instance, if he had said, so make each one give. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, so force each one to give. He actually says, so let each one give. That word let puts a whole new spin on that verse. The word let actually denotes privilege. It denotes privilege. My wife, Trish, is a foxy mama. And we've been married now coming up this month. It'll be 17 years. And uh, we started going out 19 years ago. We met at Bible College in Sydney. And when we were at Bible College, there were a number of boys who wanted to ask Trisha out. And in fact, they did. I remember one time uh, a guy, uh, you know, we all lived in college dormitories. And so he shoved a letter under her door. Um, and he started, you know, talking to, you know, he wrote in the letter, you know, um, I just want to let you know how I'm feeling and uh, kind of was wondering if you were feeling this way as well. You know, I thought there might be something between us and that sort of, And she's like, oh, I've got, I don't even hardly know the guy. And, um, and there was a, another time that two guys in the college dormitory actually had a fight over Trish as to who would go out with who. And, um, and she didn't like either of them. I remember another time being at the college dining room, we're sitting around at lunchtime, and there was a guy there who in front of my face actually asked Trisha to go out with him, and she knocked him back. There were lots of guys who would have loved for Trish to let them take her out, but she didn't. She let me. (laughs) It's a privilege. God lets us give. It's an opportunity and a pre- think about it. The fact that I could do something to bless Almighty God for all the things that he's done for me, it's an honour and a privilege. Even the wise men understood that when they went to see Jesus. They realised that when you go to see your king, you don't come empty-handed. And they came with gold and frankincense and myrrh and they treated it not as an obligation, but as a privilege. The fact that we could bless the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The fact that everything we have is from him anyway. The fact that I could do something that would bless his heart. He lets us 
give. It's a privilege when we give to God. The next, um, that's why sometimes too, like, it's funny, I'm a guest speaker pretty well every week somewhere. And, and whenever you're a guest speaker, often they do, you know, the church does the offering bag and they'll, they'll put the offering bag and that, you know, church takes up the offering. But so often, I don't know why, but the ushers, when it comes to me, they kind of take it around me and give it to someone else. And the amount of times I stopped them, I said, hey, hey, can't I give too? <laughs> can't I? What, you're going to rob me of this privilege as well? <laughs> you know, because it's a privilege. We get to give to God. He says, so let each one give. The third thing uh, that he says is this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Notice this. It doesn't say for God loves a cheerful person. Oh, I'm just going to worship God with my cheerfulness, with my happiness. That's my way of blessing Him. No, no, no. It says God loves a cheerful giver. Actually, God likes it when we give. Sometimes we think, you know, God doesn't care or somehow He hates it. No, no, no. He actually likes it. One of the best ways to illustrate this is the story about when Jesus was at the temple. Bible says that Jesus and his disciples are at the temple, standing next to the treasury, watching people bring their offerings to the temple. How rude of Jesus. Imagine he's just standing there right next to the offering bucket and people are coming up bringing their offering and he's actually having a look. Could you, that would be like Pastor James and Michelle walking around with the uh, offering bag and they're saying, no, no, you need to put a bit more in. I mean, could you imagine... And so Jesus is standing there and he's kind of like, you know, pretty cool. And then an old lady who was very poor came up and she put in a very small amount into the offering. And when she did, did that, Jesus flipped out. He was so excited. He was so excited that he called all his disciples over to him. Now, the reason why he was excited was not because she gave a small amount. The reason why he was excited was because she gave the highest percentage of her income. Because Jesus said, all these other people have given out of the abundance of what they have, but this lady has given all that she have, has to the kingdom and Jesus liked it. He was excited. And then he let her go. I could imagine one of the disciples, probably Judas, standing there after she had given the money, saying to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, um, seeing as she needs it more than the temple, don't you think she should give it back, uh, we should give it back to her? And Jesus said, basically, obviously he didn't. So he's like, no. Could you imagine the newspaper? Jesus allowed a widow to give everything that she had to the temple. Now, why would he do that? Why would he allow someone to give all that they had? Well, it's only one of two reasons, possible reasons. Reason one, he wanted her to die. Because that's all that she had to live on. So he's like, let's expedite the process. <laughs> or option two, he knew that even though she gave all that she had, God will still take care of it. Amen? God is pleased when we give to him. The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, not verse 10, where it talks about giving will be given back to you, uh, when it talks about giving to the temple and we'll, you know, God will open the windows of heaven. It talks about before that, it essentially prophesies that in the New Testament, God's people will bring their tithes and offerings to the Lord in righteousness. 
So what that means is this. He's saying that even in the New Testament, he's looking for people to give, but with a righteous attitude. And so that's what he's talking about there. When we give, we actually please God. It's an act of worship. The fourth reason uh, why we should give says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So he says this, that when we give in response, all gra- um, God makes all grace abound towards us and we have all sufficiency in all things that we might have an abundance for every good work. So he is saying that when we give, it actually prompts God and then God responds as a result of our giving. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. I know a lot of people say, I'll give to the Lord when my barns are overflowing. But he actually doesn't say that. He says, when we give, then our barns will be overflowing. What happens? Giving causes a reaction. That when we give, God responds. He is prompted. Uh, it prompts God to respond on our behalf. One of the personal philosophies I have is this, that if I have an area of need, if I'm in need, then what I have in my hand is actually seed. So what that means is this, if what I have is less than what I need, then I use what I do have, very, and I've done this many, many times, to sow and believe for God to actually release the you know, miraculous provision, the actual need that I have. Back in 2002, uh, we built our first house, uh, which was awesome. And um, in, in Mackay, North Queensland. And so it was a tremendous miracle for us, actually, to be able to get into that house. But I used to call it the Big Brother house because it was unfinished. And so there was some things about, you know, it was a Big Brother house because we didn't have any window furnishings on the windows. And so we basically, uh, we didn't have, we just put sheets up and nailed them up. On some windows, we put Christmas paper and that sort of thing. Uh, in the spare bedrooms, there's a cavity in the wall where the wardrobe's going to be when we actually have the money to fix it. Uh, not only that, we didn't have any air conditioning. You know, North Queensland, no aircon, not good. Didn't have any air conditioning. And then also, too, we didn't have any lawn. Uh, and so we lived on a big block, quarter-acre block, um, and it was very sandy and windy. So every time you opened the doors, sand would come in, uh, you know, and, and it was just annoying. And, I, you know, you'd be lying in bed, you've had a shower, and you still feel a bit of sand between your toes, you know. You'd, you'd go to the shower and sand start pulling at the bottom. And so this was happening for a few months, and it was really, really annoying me. And my finances were so tight that I didn't have the money to actually buy even a strip of, strip of lawn, a strip of grass. And so I, I sat down one time and I thought, you know what, I've got to do something. I, I can't put up with this anymore. And so I thought, what I'll try and do is save the money to buy some lawn. Now, the problem was my finances were so tight, there was no room in our budget. The only space I did have in our budget was that I would uh, bring an offering to youth because I was a youth pastor. And so I would tithe to church, but I would bring an offering to youth. And so I thought, what I'll do is this. I'll keep tithing, but I'll just stop giving that offering to youth for a while. And then I'll just save up the money over a few months and then I'll buy some grass. And so then I made the mistake of praying about it. So I prayed (laughs) and I said, Lord, this is my plan. Um, I just want to, you know, I'm going to save this money for a few months. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to, you know, give an offering to youth and then I'll use that money in order to buy some lawn. And the Holy Spirit said, bad idea. 
And I said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to double your offering. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> no, you don't understand, right? I need more. <laughs> and you're telling me to give more. And he goes, that's right. And, I, and he goes, it's seed. I said, okay. And so every week I used to pay that particular offering, um, give that particular offering on it by check. And so you remember those things, checks? And so I had a check. And, and what I would do, I would write on the back of the check as like a face statement. I would write grass. I'm believing for grass. And, uh, and I got some funny looks from the youth ushers actually when, because they thought, you know what I'm saying? So, but, um, <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 not that, not that lawn, lawn. You know, so, and so we did that for a few weeks. I said, you know, Lord, I'm believing you for, for lawn. I'm believing you for grass. And one day I came home. And uh, supernaturally, overnight, grass had sprung up. And No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, but without advertising the fact or crying poor or anything like that, we, we just kept it private, me and my wife. But some people had decided they wanted to give us a gift and they gave us some grass and I came home and our lawn was turfed and, and they did not know that I was actually sowing for that and that sort of thing. Giving prompts God. God responds when we give. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there's a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a soldier in the Italian regiment. And so, um, and so he's not a Christian, but he's called a God-fearer. So what that means is he would actually pray to God. He converted to the Jewish faith, and he would pray to the Lord regularly. And then one day the angel Gabriel appears to him. So one day he's praying and the angel Gabriel appears to him. I remember reading that and thinking, that's not fair. How come he got an angel? I've never seen an angel. Well, I did once and then I married her. But other than that, <laughs> but other than that, I've never seen an angel. Why did he get an angel? But the angel then actually tells him why God had sent him. The angel said this, God has heard your prayers and he's seen your arms. And I thought, oh, well, that's not fair either. Does that mean you've got to have big arms? Do you have to be someone with nice toned arms like Steve uh, to, you know, actually Steve was telling me that one day he went to the, um, he, he was going to the doctor and when he went to the doctor, uh, he wasn't feeling well. And the doctor said, look, let me take your blood pressure. So Steve puts his arm up on the bench and, and the doctor looks at him and says, look, I can't help you. You need a vet. <laughs> and, uh, and Steve said, why is that? And the doctor says, because those puppies are fully sick. And um, <laughs> that may or may not have happened. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't arms A-R-M-S that he responded to. It's arms A-L-M-S. Arms was generosity and giving but to charity and to the poor. So watch this. The angel says, because of your prayers and your giving, God has sent me here as a result. And then he called him to go and get Simon Peter. He came, he led them to Christ and his whole family and they all got baptised in the Holy Spirit. All because he used to pray and give. We need to understand our giving prompts God. God responds when we give. The Bible also says in 2 Chronicles, it talks about um, King Solomon. And the Bible says about King Solomon, it says that that night, God came to Solomon and said, ask of me whatever you want and I'll give you. 
I remember thinking about that and thinking, that's not fair. Why did God do that to Solomon? What's so good about Solomon that God would just rock up to him and say, whatever you want, I'll give you. I mean, that's a pretty good night. You know what I'm saying? That'll change your life. And then the Bible says that Solomon said, well, I want, you know, I want wisdom and knowledge because I've got to lead your people. And God says, because you asked the right, because you asked for the right thing and you didn't ask for riches or victory over your enemies, I'm actually going to give you, uh, I'm actually going to give you riches and victory over your enemies as well, but also wisdom and knowledge. And so overnight, he became the wisest man that ever lived. That's a supernatural occurrence. I remember thinking to myself, that, that's not fair. Until I read the scripture a bit more accurately. And it says, that night, God came to him. It doesn't say one night. If it had said one night, it would have meant one night, God just decided to bless somebody, chose Solomon and said, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. It was a sovereign move of God. But it doesn't say one night. If it had said once upon a night, it would have meant it was a fairy tale. And who knows, it's not a, who knows it's not a fairy tale, it's the holy word of God. It actually happened. It doesn't say one night or once upon a night. It says that night. So what that means is that God came to him that night because of something that happened that day. And if you read the scripture, the verse before, it says that day Solomon came and gave a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord. And then that night God said to him, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. That wasn't for the sin of the people. He couldn't do that. He was a king. He was, he was a priest. He was, sorry, he was a king. He wasn't a priest. It was actually an outstanding act of generosity. And response to that, God said, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. God responded to his giving. The Apostle Paul says that God will make all grace abound to you so that all will have all sufficiency in all things, having an abundance for every good work. And the fifth thing, the fifth reason why we should give says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So it says God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So what that means is this. Of everything God gives us, part of it is supposed to be seed for sowing. And part of it is supposed to be bread for food. God does not intend for us to keep every cent that we earn. Part of it is to be consumed and used on ourselves, bread for food. But part of it is supposed to be given away. It's supposed to be seed for sowing. If you look at nature, that's even how God created nature. My grandfather used to own an apple orchard down in country Victoria. And apples are my favourite fruit. Of, of all fruit, I love apples the best, and I love golden, delicious apples the most. But as much as I love apples, I don't eat the whole thing. There's a part of the apple I don't eat. It's called the core, and it tastes yucky. Now, there are some sick people <laughs> who eat the core. I bet you there's some here. Put your hand up if you eat the core. Come on. All right, okay. I love you, but seriously, right? If we were all like you, there'd be no more apples. <laughs> You're not supposed to eat the core. It's yucky for a reason. The reason why it's yucky is because it houses the seed. God does not want us to consume the whole thing. Part of the apple is seed for sowing and bread for food. Part of it's supposed to be sowed and part of it is supposed to be consumed. And if we all ate it, eventually we'd run out of apples. 
And what happens is if we consume everything we we earn, we're actually consuming seed as well and we're aborting a future harvest. So what that means is this, of everything that we earn, part of it is seed for sowing and part of it is bread for food. That's why the fifth reason why we should give is it's an expected priority. Expected priority. Giving is a part of the everyday Christian life. Christian, there are some disciplines that you do because you're a Christian. One is prayer. One is reading the Bible. Another one is going to church. Another one is um, doing works, you know, doing good works. That's all part of the Christian lifestyle. But one of the other parts of the Christian lifestyle is actually giving. When Jesus was betrayed at the, you know, at the Last Supper with the disciples, the Bible says that he was there with the disciples and Judas was there amongst them. And he turned to Judas and publicly said, go and do what you're supposed to. Go and do what you're planning to do. He's basically telling Judas, okay, go and you've got to, you know, you can, you know, you're going to betray me. But the other disciples didn't catch on. Do you know why the other disciples didn't catch on? Because they assumed that Judas was going to give some money away to the poor. Why did they assume that? Because it was a part of Jesus' ministry and a part of his life. As a Christian, generosity in giving is a part of the Christian life. Everything we earn, part is seed for sowing and part is bread for food. It's an expected priority. And the last thing about giving is this. Giving is a way we partner with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 says this. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but is also abounding through many thanksgivings to God. So the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and he says, your giving today is actually going to supply the needs of the saints, needs of other saints. You're going to provide for other people. So what that means is that when we give, we're partnering with God. We are letting God use us to supply the needs of others and also to answer other people's prayers. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will men pour into your lap, the King James Version says. If you're like me, you're like, I'm like, well, if I give, God's going to give back to me, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But who is it that God uses to pour into our lap? People, men, have you ever been one of those guys? Have you ever been that person that's actually been an answer to somebody else's prayer? Many, many years ago, oh, I was probably about 12 years ago now, um, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me about um, sowing into the lives of 10 people that, um, that, that had played a big part in my life up until that point. So every time I change season in ministry, very often God will get me to do something to honour the people that helped me to get to that point or that previous season. And so I remember 12 years ago, I was leaving Mackay, going to Brisbane to start Planet Shakers College. And I remember I was in the shower and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to give uh, $1,000 to 10 people um, to honour them for what they've done in your life up until this point. I remember thinking, whoa, $100 each? And he goes, no, 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 $1,000 each. And I thought, oh, no, you know. And uh, I, I said to my, I went to, I thought I'd better check with my wife to tell her to, you know, so I can stop doing this. And so I went to my wife. I said, babe, I felt God tell me I've got to do this. She goes, well, if that's what God says, we've got to do it. I'm like, you're not supposed to say that. Uh, you're supposed to talk me out of it. And so, and I remember I went to 
uh, and I thought, I'm going to do it by check. So normally you would do something like that privately and that, but for this particular time, I felt God say, this is not private. You're actually honouring them, letting them know that if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be where you are right now. And so I had these 10 names that I had on my heart. I went to the bank and uh, I said to the lady, listen, I want 10 cheques, $1,000 each made out to these people. And she said to me, look, it would be cheaper if you did a direct debit because it's $7 a check. It'll save you, save you $70. I said, lady, I'm paying $10,000. I don't care about $70. Then she looked at me and, I, and she said, who are you anyway? And I said, I'm Santa Claus, all right? Just... <laughs> I said, just write the checks out, all right? And she wrote out the checks and I sent them off. And... The feedback I got was unbelievable. I had one guy who said, I just did a missions trip overseas and I was $1,000 short. And God told me not to worry about it. The money was coming. He said, your cheque came in the mail. I had someone else say to me, they said, this other person, they owed me $1,000 and they weren't going to pay. And God said, don't worry, I'll make sure you get it. And that week your cheque came into the mail. Another person was needing to go on a missions trip over to the Ukraine they were $1,000 short. And they said... And they said, God said, don't worry, I've got it covered. And that week, my check came into the mail. God provided for them through a person. I had no idea that was going to be the result. I wasn't even really thinking about them. (laughs) But God used, that's what he does. I remember another time when I was at Bible college, I've told told you before that I made a deal with God when I was at Bible college because I was so far behind on my fees. And the deal I made with God was this. Lord, uh, any gift I get of $100 or more, I'll give 10% to church, I'll give 50% away, and I'll do 40% uh, for my, you know, and I'll spend 40% on myself. And when that happened, I started getting gifts unsolicited coming in, which was amazing. And, and then one time, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me to give a specific amount. It was about $250 uh, to uh, a friend of mine who lived in a dorm three doors down. And so, and because that was out of some money I'd received, so I put it in an envelope, I just put his name on it, I didn't sign or anything, and I gave it to him. Uh, a few days later, I was staying with him, I went into his room, and he's a big Tongan guy named Fatani, and he was really melodramatic, and his hero was Reinhard Bonnke. So he'd try and talk like Reinhard Bonnke. And so, and when I start, when I sit down and hang out with him, sometimes he gets up and starts trying to preach. So I was with him in his room, and he goes, and he goes Brother Ben, he goes, and he goes, my wife contacted me and said we had an electricity bill and I could not pay it. And I said, don't worry, the Lord will provide. And he said, this week, and he showed me the bill, it was for $250. And he said, this week, God, someone gave me $250. God has paid for my bill. I remember thinking to myself, that wasn't God, that was me. But it was God. The fact that God could use... Have you ever had a prayer answered by God? That's awesome. But you know what's even better? Being the answer to someone else's prayer. The fact that God would use us and trust us to do that is absolutely incredible. The Bible talks about here some reasons why we should give. You know the Bible also says in Acts 20 verse 35, it says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You open up more of the blessings of God by giving than by simply receiving. That's why the Apostle Paul says, when it comes to giving as Christians, those are reasons why we should give. Maybe you're here today and you're a visitor or you haven't been here very long 
and you may have heard the cultural lie which says that all the church wants is your money and that sort of thing. And that's not true. But there is a biblical precedent for talking to the same people more than once on the same topic. And that's because there are times every so often we just need to recalibrate our thinking around the, what the Word of God says about this topic. But more important than your finance, God does not care about your finance if he hasn't got our heart. Because our heart is the most important thing to God. Jesus actually says that when we give, we get treasure in heaven. And then he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we know that if we've got a heart for something, our treasure goes towards it. I've got some friends who are mad soccer fans. And so on Thursday, they flew down to Melbourne because Brisbane were, oh, sorry, Brisbane, Brazil were playing Argentina and their heart is for that. And so they spent the finance to go and do that. We understand that our heart, that we're our, you know, we give to things we have a heart for. But that's not what Jesus is saying there. It's even more powerful. Jesus says that when we give out, we are treasure in heaven, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's not saying that our treasure follows our heart. He's saying that where we put our treasure, our heart follows. It's the concept of vested interest. Some of you might have shares in companies that you did not care about in the past, but now you like them. Why? Because you put your money there and now your heart follows. Some people here, you have a heart for a region or a country of the world. Why? Because maybe you got a sponsor child there, a compassion kid or a world vision kid. You put your finance there and then your heart follows your finance. It's called vested interest. Um, every so often, I love sport. I'm not a gambler, but I do like sport. And I do, I must admit, it's when, when spring carnival's on, I actually do like watching some of the horse racing. And I remember one year, uh, I don't bet on it, but I, I do like watching it. And um, I remember oh, 2005, I think it was, it was the year that Maccabi Diva was going to, for her third um, Melbourne Cup. And the, uh, two weeks before, she'd run in the Cox Plate uh, and she had won that. And then there was all this talk about whether she was going to run in the Melbourne Cup. And there was all, every day uh, in the news is, you know, will Maccabi Diva run? Will Maccabi Diva run? The weekend before the Melbourne Cup, her trainer said, yep, Maccabi Diva's going to run. And it was unbelievable. I mean, the amount of celebration was absolutely incredible. On Cup Day, they said that the, the whole carnival was taken over by Diva Fever. And uh, people were wearing masks, which were the same colours as Maccabi Diva's owner's um, you know, the colours of that, you know, that, that um, the owners, the jockey. And so they would wear the, wear the mask. And they even for the day, um, everyone was singing the song, you know, Viva Las Vegas by Elvis Presley. Viva, they changed the words to Divas the Greatest. And so it was just huge. And then when the race came, it was unbelievable. It was like a movie. She comes to the last straight, goes around the last corner, and then she just bursts clear. And when she burst clear, you could even hear on the television people just screaming and yelling. They're just going crazy. When she crosses the line, the race caller um, says, you know, now the, the, um, now the champion has become a legend. And everyone's going crazy. They interview the owners and the owner's so excited, nearly crying and say, this is Maccabi Diva. She's the people's horse. The people love Maccabi Diva. Do you want to know why people love Maccabi Diva? Because I put the money on the horse, the horse wins, now they like the horse. <laughs> Their heart follows the treasure. And that is why, as part of the Christian discipline, Christian life, 
the Lord actually, one of the reasons why he likes it when we give, because more important than our finance is our heart. And he knows that wherever we put our treasure, our heart will surely follow. And more than your treasure, more important to him, far more valuable, is your heart. Amen? And so my prayer for you today is this. I really sense that over this next season, there's financial breakthrough coming for people. That for some people, this actual offering that's coming up in this few weeks' time is going to be more than just a normal offering. For some people, it's going to be a breakthrough offering. Over the last 15 years, there's been moments where actually for myself and my family, that our giving has resulted in a breakthrough for us. And all through Scripture, there's evidences where people received a breakthrough as a result of giving. I even spoke to a young man yesterday, who's a youth pastor, Anthony Corbett, who's the youth pastor over at um, Boyne Tannum Christian Church. And he said that last year, God led him to sow a supernatural seed to believe for a house for him and Jess. And he said they have just signed a contract on a miracle house. It's an absolute miracle what they're able to get. And he testifies and says that that breakthrough came as a result of his generosity. And I believe that for some people here, that for, and you know it in your heart when God is speaking to you, that this upcoming season is going to be a season of breakthrough, that you're going to step into something new that you've never experienced before by taking that step of faith. Amen? And so what I would love to do is this. Worship team, will you come? This is not the kind of message where you would do an altar call. And so I just want to, uh, I just want to pray where you are in your seat because I believe there's some people that you felt in your heart not trying to make it up, not trying to force it, but you just know. You know when you get a knowing? That you've just got a knowing that this next season is actually a season of breakthrough for you. And so what I'd like everyone to do right now is just close their eyes and bow their heads. And, and if you're here and you're saying, yep, I actually believe this next season, this, this is going to be a breakthrough first fruits time for me and my family. That you sense it in your heart. You sense it in your heart. If that is you right where you are, I want to stand in agreement with you and believe with you that you will receive that breakthrough. So if that's you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. I believe actually this next first fruits offering is a breakthrough offering for me and my family. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for these people with their hands raised. I thank you for all your good, all the good that you've done for us. I thank you for the opportunity that we have that we might be able to bless you, Lord God, in this way. But I know, Lord, for some of these people, this is actually going to be an important offering. There's going to be a breakthrough offering. So I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would just speak to them, that they would just have the faith to step out and do what you have called them to do. It's private. It's between you and them. It's not all equal giving, but it is equal sacrifice. So I just ask and pray, Father, and I stand in agreement believing that this will be the key for them to receive the breakthrough that you have for them. I thank you, Father, there's going to be multiplicity of breakthroughs. Some people are going to get healed as a result. I thank you, Lord God, just like David stopped a plague in the Old Testament with an offering, Lord God. There's going to be healing for some people here. I thank you for some people here. It's actually going to be financial breakthrough. Lord, for like just the woman who gave her last, who made her last cake with the flour and oil for the prophet Elijah. And as a result of that, she received a miracle of provision. I thank you for some, this is going to be a miracle of provision. I thank you, Lord, that for some, this is even going to be a catalyst for some loved ones coming back. Just like the woman of Shunem, Lord God, when she put an extension on her house for the prophet Elijah, Lord God, she actually received a miracle miracle of a son and then 
he was brought back to life again later on when he died. I thank you, Lord God, that these miracles are going to be released in this house. I thank you for all the miracles you performed in the past, but I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. You're an awesome and a mighty God. And I thank you and praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hands down. Just keep your eyes closed just for a moment, please. And as I said to you before, more important than your money, God wants your heart. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't buy your way into pleasing God. Giving is just a byproduct of the Christian life. But to become a Christian, you've actually got to give the Lord your heart. And maybe you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, but you want to today. Can I tell you being a Christian is the greatest thing? It means you get to go to heaven after you die, which is awesome. It settles your eternity. But even more than that, you have a relationship with a living God right here, right now. And He has a plan and purpose for your life. And that opens up your destiny. So being a Christian means it opens up your destiny and it settles your eternity. That's why I call it the best of both worlds. And maybe you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, but you want to. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if that is you, just slip up your hand and say, that's me this morning. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to give my life to Him. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me this morning. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Church, would you stand to your feet right now? Lift your hands to heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Port City Church. And I thank you for all that you've done in the life and history of this church. But I thank you for what you're going to do. You're an awesome and mighty God. And I declare your blessing on these people. I thank and praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship God in this place.